Hey guys, we're going to start this episode with a shout out to our newest Patreon fan club member, Jennifer Garcia. Jennifer is now a premium listener and will enjoy our full benefits package. And let me just say, she is just in time for our brand new episode of Disturbing Calls, dropping on Saturday, August 1st which is only available to Patreon premium listeners just like Jennifer. Make sure you stay tuned until the very end of this episode to hear a sneak peek of episode 2 of Disturbing Calls. I promise you won't want to miss it. Now, if you're curious what's all included for premium listeners or you just want your own shout-out like this one, visit disturbedpodcast.com slash fanclub and get yourself in the Patreon fan club for as little as $1 a month to start receiving your benefits today. And now, on with the show. This episode contains real experiences shared through Reddit. Listener discretion is advised. first story is a real Reddit submission by user OfficeFern007, with narration by Addison Peacock. My husband and I were at the supermarket, and our baby was being especially fussy, so he took her for a quick drive, the motion of which usually calms her down. It only took about ten minutes to settle her, and I was still in the store, but was unsure how much longer I'd be, and there's poor cell reception inside. So he pulled back into the parking lot to wait for me. It was an unseasonably nice day, so he took her in her car seat to sit on one of the benches outside the store. He took a business call and had just sat them down, absentmindedly rocking the carrier, when a woman, well-dressed, mid-thirties, average height, fit build, approached them. It's not uncommon for people to ask to play with our baby. She's got big rosy cheeks, soft wisps of gold hair, and the most adorable gurgly toothless grin, especially when she's deep into a good nap. But her nap schedule is paramount, so my husband was preparing to tell the woman she couldn't actually play with our baby right then. She walked over right in their direction, brimming with nonchalant confidence. And before he can even finish his sentence explaining she was napping and not to be touched, she picked up the carrier and started walking off. He was in shock for a minute, not fully believing someone would be ballsy enough to do something so sinister in plain daylight, so he said, "'Excuse me, put her down,' as his panic mounted. She remained calm this entire time, but when he called after her, she started walking away more briskly than when she'd approached. He ran full speed ahead, tried to grapple the carrier out of her hands, finally resulting to restraining her arms. This woman yells, "'Help!' He's trying to take my baby. Kidnapping. 911. Help. Kicking him in the shin and pulling a pink bottle of pepper spray out of her handbag. 
Of course, no one in the parking lot was clocking the earlier interaction and assumed he really was a kidnapper, a lone man in a Deadpool t-shirt versus a tiny, well-dressed woman. Immediately, a man knocked my husband to the ground and was holding him down. He could hear bystanders encouraging the woman to file a police report, but she was doing a very convincing job of acting shaken up and insisted she just wanted to get home. To make matters worse for my husband, she was driving a minivan. He was in a raw state of panic, realizing the entire parking lot had banded together to inadvertently facilitate the kidnapping of our daughter. He was begging and pleading with them, but no one was listening. They just kept screaming at him that the jig was up and he needed to lie still and wait for police and stop terrorizing a young mother. My husband finally had the novel idea to show them family pictures on his phone. But, too panicked to think clearly, this manifested as him shouting, I have pictures of the baby on my phone. Which, of course, everyone interpreted as him having either stalking photos or, worse, pornographic images of the baby. It was at this point that a man, I can't entirely blame the man considering what he thought was going on, kicked my husband as hard as he could in the ribs. It was at this point I was coming out of the store, and I thought he was being robbed by these people. I was yelling for security, so panicked my chest constricted and I could barely get any sound out. It was only then I realized he did not have our baby with him. When I saw she was being held by a woman, I was relieved. I thought maybe the woman had intervened to move my daughter out of harm's way while my husband was being robbed and was walking away to get help. I couldn't find a security guard outside the store, so I ran up to the people holding my husband down, waving my wallet, pleading, take everything you want, just let up and leave us alone. And one of the men holding him down said something like, lady, we need to wait for police to deal with him. And I was so confused. Why would the muggers have called the police? I just kept stammering, What do you mean? What are you talking about? And made out someone saying, He tried to abduct that woman's kid. I did not understand and was sure I'd misheard him. My husband would never hurt a child. And we have four kids. If he were going to commit a crime, bringing home another kid would be at the bottom of his list. I kept trying to understand what the man was saying, and and suddenly, it all clicked. I looked around for the woman who had the baby carrier, and she was halfway across the parking lot. I went into total ballistic tiger cub mode, literally leapt out of my heels, and sprinted across the parking lot. I'm not a UFC fighter. I've never even taken a self-defense class. So all I could think to do was grab the woman by her hair and squeeze her throat with my other hand which didn't do much. She was getting away even as I grappled with her. Amazingly, none of the other bystanders had yet to connect that my husband was telling the truth, and this woman was absconding with my baby. I yanked on her hair as hard as I could, and that was enough to make her drop the carrier. I was so scared and surprised that I actually just threw myself on top of the carrier, covering the entire thing like a blanket and stayed that way without saying or doing anything else. The woman left. Not one person tried to stop her. Even though she was clearly leaving without the child she claimed was hers, which would be pretty damn incriminating if I'd watched this scene unfold. Within the next couple minutes, police had arrived. 
After all that, there were still several bystanders who explained it as my husband trying to kidnap the baby. The police, to my horror, assumed that she must not have had bad intentions. The first questions they asked me after getting her description weren't investigative. They were questions thinly veiled, trying to convince me not to pursue charges, still placing blame on my husband. A small sampling. Do your husband and the baby look dissimilar? Is there a chance she thought he was abducting the baby and she was trying to intervene? Could your husband have been doing something inappropriate or violent to the baby that would make her feel compelled to extricate the baby from the situation? Did she seem groggy or confused? Could she have mistaken either of them for her own family members? They spent more time verifying that the baby was actually mine than they concerned themselves with the fact that the baby was not actually hers. My husband had called his brother at that point, who works in an office with a lot of lawyers and connected with one ASAP, who gave us the priceless advice to get every officer's name and badge number, to request copies of the store's security tapes right away, and to escalate our complaint higher up the chain if these officers weren't taking us seriously. Finally, we had reason enough to believe we were being taken seriously, and we went home, and both just shook and cried until we had to get our other kids from school. My husband is seething with rage and grappling with a feeling of helplessness from how little he was able to do and has two cracked ribs from when the man kicked him. To the officer's credit, he did ask if we'd like to press charges, but considering the man was genuinely convinced at the time that he was on the right side of intervening in a kidnapping, Anne stayed to talk to police and apologized profusely when the truth became clear, he declined to press charges. Amazingly, and frustratingly, there were still people who stuck around to talk to police, who were giving my husband dirty looks, and one man who even implored the police to involve CPS to verify it was really our baby. Parking lot kidnapper and parking lot skeptics, you better hope we don't meet. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast? killer podcasts and slow burn media production subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows history is complicated the story of human progress is long messy and riddled with controversies big and small on conflicted we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures we try and untangle the good from the bad the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? 
These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Our next story is a real Reddit submission by user Venus Nova with narration by Alexandria Tucker. This happened when I was a bartender about four years ago, but I think about it often and it has changed the way I operate throughout life. I now refuse to go to any store alone after midnight. For the story's sake, I will tell you that I was 25 and an attractive, slender blonde at the time. On a busy Friday night, I was bartending with the bar manager, and he had noticed that we were very low on some bar necessities after the dinner rush. Lemons, limes, bitters, that kind of thing. So I was sent out to go to the 24-hour grocery store down the road to pick up the odds and ends that we would require to get us through the weekend. I picked up everything that was asked of me without trouble at the store, until I got to the liquor aisle. There were two country-looking guys that were probably around my age in the aisle, and they were staring at me and whispering to each other in a way that made me uncomfortable, as I assumed they were making comments about me. All pretty innocent so far. Before they could approach me, I grabbed what I needed very quickly and power-walked to the self-checkout. I really booked it out of there because when you're a bartender, it's kind of like you are on stage and required to be charming and interact with people that you otherwise absolutely wouldn't be able to tolerate unless you're getting paid to thus why I am not a bartender anymore. I get to the self-checkout and hot on my tail are the two guys. I'm scanning my stuff and they use the scanning station next to me. I get a better look at them now that they are right next to me. One is taller, muscular, average looking. The other is shorter and more plump. They both looked dirty and their eyes were completely bloodshot. Not sure if they were high on something or had already been drinking for a while. They continued to stare at me and our eyes awkwardly met. So I did the pleasant, midwesterny thing to do and flashed them a quick half-assed, closed-lipped smile to be polite. The taller one starts trying to talk to me. Hey, looks like you're ready to party, huh? I replied with something like, yeah, something like that. It's not for me, though. They walk closer to me and ignore their responsibility to scan their items. Oh, must be for your boyfriend, huh? I flash the awkward, tight-lipped smile again and roll my eyes slightly. Like, this is your hint that I am not interested, fellas. The taller one continues to try to talk to me. You could come hang out with us tonight. We could show you what a good time is, if you know what I mean. I replied with, no thanks, I'm good. I have plans already. Well, the tall one starts to get upset that his moves aren't working, like he'd hoped, and starts using a more threatening tone and moves very close to me, like two inches away. But I ignore him, staying focused on the scanner. I don't think he had showered in a few days by the smell of him. He gets a little louder and says, I see how it is. You probably only fuck doctors and rich men like that. 
You think you're too good for us. We can show you that you aren't. We can teach you a lesson. Now, I'm not sure in what context he meant, but it definitely wasn't good. Still not looking at him, I turn away so my body is blocking his view of my purse, which I set on the scanner, to grab my four-inch pocket knife out and slide it up my jacket sleeve in case I need to protect myself, acting like I'm searching for my wallet. I do this, however, in view of the self-scan worker standing at her podium and look at her with wide eyes, trying to communicate that I do not feel safe and might need help. I turn back to the machine and slide my credit card to pay, while the creepy and hostile guys are practically standing on top of me. The machine malfunctions and starts beeping. The lady worker comes over immediately, and the guys standing next to me change their expressions from, I am planning to torture you for a couple days and toss your body in a creek, to, just your friendly good old country boys making polite conversation over here. They actually tried to act like I knew them and we were friends, so the worker wouldn't be alerted to their ill intentions. They tried joking with the worker, saying I was stealing something, and that's why the machine went off. The worker was definitely not buying it. She was a six-plus-foot-tall woman, with some muscle on her, by the way. I wouldn't mess with her on my best day. Anyway, she presses a few buttons on the screen, shooting the guys a very unimpressed look when they were trying to act charming, and cancels the order completely. She turns to me and says, I'm sorry for the inconvenience, ma'am. This machine does not seem to be working correctly. Why don't you gather up your things and I will ring you up at an actual register? She puts her hand on my back and gives me a wide-eyed look like I gave her a minute earlier, letting me know that she sees I am in danger. I pick up my things to follow her to a register that is near the security office. The guys linger around the self-scan, still glaring at me, and eventually complete their purchase, but stand at the exit, assuming they are waiting for me. I felt like I would be walking to my death if I made my exit in that moment. The worker keeps a close eye on the guys and scans my items. As she's scanning, she tells me there really wasn't anything wrong with the machine I was using. It just misread my credit card. She said, I had a bad feeling about those guys from the moment they walked in, and then I saw them getting aggressive towards you. I already rang the security to be ready to walk out to the parking lot and make sure that you left safely when you were ready to leave. Then I saw you take that knife out and put it up your sleeve, getting ready to protect yourself. Good girl! As much as I like to see you show them that they picked the wrong chick to mess with, I'm glad I was able to pull you aside and make sure you are safe. I see them waiting by the door for you. I'll just keep pressing buttons on the screen and act like I'm having trouble with your order until they give up and go outside. Our security officer and I are both going to escort you to your vehicle when you leave. I thought to myself, this woman seriously deserves a raise. I thanked her over and over again and told her what they had said to me and how I was getting afraid because I don't know what those guys are capable of. As I'm talking to her, my bar manager calls me to see what's taking so long. I explained what was happening and he was obviously very concerned and ready to come up there himself and kick some ass. A sweet sentiment indeed. By the time I hang up, the guys had given up and walked out to the parking lot. The worker said to give it another few minutes because she had a feeling they may still be in the parking lot waiting for me to walk out and see which vehicle was mine so they could follow me. My instant thought was, no way, they have to be gone by now. I was wrong. The worker and security guard escort me out and as it was after midnight you can imagine how empty the parking lot was. Towards the back of the lot, there sat an old, big pickup truck running with the lights on pointed towards the store. It was a huge parking lot, and it wouldn't have made sense for them to initially park like that, so I'm assuming they moved the truck to sit that way so they had full view of when I exited the store to go to my vehicle. It was like being stalked by very hungry lions. When I unlocked my car and they saw that me, the worker, and the guard were looking directly at them and I wasn't getting in my car until we watched them leave, they then peeled out of the parking lot. I mean, they seriously did a burnout to establish that they were pissed and trying to intimidate us or something. 
Ah, poor creeps didn't get their way. Boo-hoo. I thanked the worker and the guard over and over again, as I am certain they had just saved my life, or at least saved me from having to live with whatever those guys were planning on doing to me. I did write a long letter to the store manager and to their corporate location, describing how their employees protected me and how grateful I was. I really hope that earned her a promotion, bonus, or raise. She didn't know me at all and was ready to protect me, which really isn't her job, but she did it anyway. Needless to say, I do not go late night shopping by myself anymore. Never will again. And our final story is a real Reddit submission by user Pesfi678 with narration by yours truly. Don't forget to stick around after this story for a sneak peek of episode 2 of Disturbing Calls. So this happened when I was around 9 years old. I'm 25 now, and it's something I will never forget. It gives me goosebumps to this day. I live in a terraced house, four houses combined, and my neighbors and I each have our own little patio. There's a small road 10 meters from my yard where people do their Sunday walks and so on. Only a small fence separates my small yard and patio from that road. I live in a pretty crowded area with several of those terrorist houses spread around in my neighborhood. So seeing people walking on that road is pretty normal for me. Seeing random people standing on my patio is not. When I was nine, I usually got home from school about an hour before my mom got home from work. I live maybe 50 meters away from school. So my mom figured I was mature enough to be home alone for an hour or so before she got home. This one day I got home from school. I did the usual thing which was to make sure I locked the front door and double check that the back door leading to the patio was also locked. I was nine, so being alone was a little scary even though it was in the middle of the day and only for an hour. I then rushed to my room upstairs to play as much PlayStation as possible before my mom came home and made me do homework. While playing, I heard this noise coming from outside my window. My room was located one floor over the patio, with a view to the road I told you about before. It was kinda like the sound of a cat, but my cat had been missing for over three months. Hope sparked, and I thought, oh my god, did he finally come back? I ran downstairs to check if it was my cat, but the sight that met me gives me goosebumps just writing this. There was a guy standing on my patio. A tall guy with black hair covering half of his eyes, making him look like a male version of the ring woman or something. I could hear him making high-pitched sounds, almost like a cat meowing. A brown liquid was running down from his mouth, and I could see him spitting out my dad's stomped cigarettes. He was actually eating from the ashtray. I was frozen observing this. Eventually snapped out of it and screamed so loud that the man must have heard it. 
he didn't react. He kept on eating from the ashtray. I ran upstairs to my room, locked the door, and called my mom, who had then called the cops. I've never been more terrified in my life. Laying in bed under my sheets, shivering with fear as I hear these creepy, high-pitched noises from the guy eating cigarettes from the ashtray on my patio. I kind of blacked out for a moment, because the next thing I remember is the police arriving on the road by my yard. I hear them talking to the guy, saying stuff like, What are you doing? Get over here or we will come down and arrest you, and so on. He didn't respond. But the high-pitched sounds were more frequent and louder. I decided to look through the window, feeling safe now that the cops were there. I could see two police officers standing by my fence, one man and a woman. I did not see the creepy man, however, because he was standing directly one story under me. The police jumped the fence, and I remember hearing the creepy guy screaming louder than anything I've ever heard before. He charged the female police officer with full force, and he fucking knocked her out cold. The male police officer then immediately tased the guy, leaving him shaking on the ground, screaming still. The policeman struggled to keep him on the ground while putting handcuffs on him, but eventually he did it. After a while, he managed to wake up the female police officer, who seemed to be badly hurt. He called for backup and an ambulance, and then he sees me standing in the window above him. The expression on my face must have been something else because he just looked at me and said, I sure as hell hope you didn't see all that. I started to cry. By this time, the neighbors started to arrive wondering what the hell was going on. One of my neighbors, an elderly woman, made me come down and she took care of me until my mom came back home. The police took the creepy guy with them in the car and left. Before they left, they promised to come back and talk to us about what had happened. This is where the story takes an unexpected turn. The male police officer came back later that night and sat down with me and my mom to talk. He explained that the guy on my patio was actually diagnosed with severe autism. He had escaped a facility where mentally challenged people live, located around 5 kilometers from where I live. He explained that the guy had actually been living in my house five years ago, but he had been forced to move when his mom, his only caretaker, died. The poor guy probably thought he would find his mom in my house. He missed the routines, and he missed living there with his mom. The police had to move him from the house that time five years ago, because he was extremely strong. From what I've heard, he had extreme tensions in the body because of the autism, making his muscles grow stronger and stronger throughout the years. This was the reason he reacted the way he did when the police came this day. Still frightened, I told the police officer that he needed to make sure this would never happen again. He promised it wouldn't. After a few sleepless nights, my life got back to normal. The years went by and the guy didn't come back. Until one year ago. At this time, my mom and dad had moved out. I bought the house from them and I'm still living there today. I was enjoying my morning coffee on the patio when I see this random guy stopping on the road by my fence. He just stands there, looking at me. I look at him and give him a nod. And then I hear the high-pitched noises. Holy shit, it's him. His hair had turned gray, but the high-pitched sounds made me realize. My heart started racing, and I instantly remembered the reason why he was back. 
I realized that he must have managed to escape again. Because I kept my cool a bit longer than when I was nine, I started to realize how sorry I felt for the guy. Sixteen years later and he was back to look for his mom. I decided to carefully ask him if he wanted to come down to the patio. He instantly jumped the fence. I started to think he would knock me out cold like he did to that police officer. He didn't. He smiled. He looked at me and smiled. I offered him to sit down. He didn't respond. I offered him to come inside. He started laughing. We went inside. His face lit up, pure joy. He was home. It reminded him of the life he had had with his mom. It almost made me tear up. All of a sudden, he sat down in my couch, turned on my TV, and switched directly to the cartoons. I observed him for a while. He was just completely focused on the cartoons. I just wanted him to enjoy the moment, so I didn't say anything to him. I realized I had to call the facility to let them know. The caretakers arrived 10 minutes later. After a lot of convincing, he got back up, crying, and they went back to the facility. I called the facility two days later. We made a deal. His name is Tom, and I now consider Tom my friend. Every Sunday from the day he returned, Tom and his caretakers visit me to watch cartoons. They say it's the highlight of his week. It makes my heart warm. Now, for several years, my thoughts were, let's not meet guy on the patio eating from the ashtray. And now, my thoughts are, let's meet every Sunday to watch cartoons. My friend Tom. And now... A first look at episode 2 of Disturbing Calls, available exclusively for Patreon Premium listeners. Okay, this Hello? is 911. What's going on? I just shot everybody right now. You just shot everybody? Yeah. What the police up! With a gun! With a gun! Hurry you're, you're up! You're off a gun. Please, hurry up! He's killing my girlfriend! My son has killed my wife. Okay. She's in the garage and she's been hit in the head. She's dead. Okay, is she, is she not breathing at all? No, she's dead. No, 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 no. Hello? He ripped her face off. Please hurry up. Listen to me. I'm going to shoot myself right now. Pablo, I need you to stay on the phone with me, okay? Just wait until we get there. Pablo? Yeah. Okay, just stay with me, okay? Don't shoot yourself. Shoot him! Sandra, stay in your car. Shoot him! Sandra, I need you to stay in your car. Shoot him, please. I tried stabbing him. He's going to attack anybody. I can't get out of this car. Pablo? Pablo? This episode of Disturbing Calls drops Saturday, August 1st, exclusively for Patreon fan club members at the $5 level. If you want exclusive access to these Disturbing Calls episodes, head over to disturbedpodcast.com slash fan club and become a Patreon supporter today.
You've been listening to Disturbed. Special thanks to all the contributing narrators and submitters of these stories. You'll find all the relevant links in the show notes. You can see more info on our website, disturbedpodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, help us grow by sharing the show with a friend. And make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening so you always get the newest episodes automatically. Learn more about our Patreon fan club and benefits package for as little as $1 a month over at disturbedpodcast.com slash fan club. If you have your own disturbing experience you want to share for the podcast, leave us a voicemail through our hotline at 701-712-8008. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod to stay up to date with all the latest Disturbed news. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Stay safe out there, y'all.